0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, joined today by Herman Vittorius. Just a quick note before we begin. Please, if you do like our content, if you do like the show, uh, give us ratings on the podcast apps, like the videos, subscribe to us on YouTube if that's where you watch us, and we'd really appreciate that. Okay, our first story for today is a shocking by-election victory, which I think is one of those very ominous warning signs for the ANC that they've been seeing quite a lot of recently. So as we all know, if you've been watching the show, the ANC is in a fair amount of trouble in a number of places. Polling shows them uh, set to lose anywhere between 6 to 10% of their support nationally next year. They also have lost a number of key by-elections around the country, particularly in KZN. But now there's a new problem developing, which is that they have just lost a ward that was very safe to the EFF. For the first time in the Western Cape. Now, the the, the EFF now holds one ward in the entirety of the Western Cape. So, this is a pretty big breakthrough for them. Uh, This is a ward uh, in Saldana Bay. In the last election, the ANC got 72% of the vote here, the EFF only 15%. This time, on roughly the same level of turnout, The EFF got 57% of the vote, and the ANC 43%. So that's a big drop, and that means that all of the opposition voters in that ward rallied behind the EFF to push them over the top there. Um, Herman, what do you make of this? Uh, This is another one for me of those signs that the ANC is in a lot of trouble in next year's elections. Absolutely, and to go from,
1: uh, as you say, the turnout levels were roughly similar. Uh, in the, it went from forty-two percent turnout to thirty-eight percent turnout, which isn't a massive shift. It's still on the low end of the spectrum, but it's quite a, it's you know it's comparable in terms of turnout. The EFF going from fifteen percent to fifty-seven percent is a remarkable growth, but almost equally remarkable is the ANC going from 72 to 43%. To drop 30 percentage points is astoundingly bad for the ANC. Now, it is possible that this was sort of a a taken-for-granted case, that the ANC didn't really consider this worth this spending time on. Now, that might give some relief to their shattered nerves, but it will only go so far in the sense that if you think, oh, we shouldn't try so hard, we're going to win this in any case and then you don't, then your fundamental assumption of what is and isn't a safe seat needs some revision. Now, it is very very interesting that the ANC has always had a formidable election day machine and of course building up to election day. Traditionally the ANC really has a phenomenal final few weeks of any election campaign and that election machinery requires resources, massive funds uh, the cars need to be fueled, need to be bought, need to be branded. The speakers, the uh, stadiums need to be booked. The T-shirts, the food, the catering, uh, you know, all the all the goodies that we have come to associate with an ANC electoral machine at full strength. That costs money. If they can't, in a by-election, at a relatively manageable level, ensure that they get their people to the polls in a by-election, my goodness, then there must be alarm bells ringing in the. House when they are possibly on the verge of bankruptcy and facing an election where in a by-election you might have a handful of voting districts. Next year's election will see more than 23,000 voting points where they will need to get voters to monitor and, you know, just the good old machinery of an ANC Election Day campaign effort. If they can't do that at a limited level for a by-election, my goodness, the public turning against them plus their financial woes, might be a very, very painful double blow for the ANC on election day next year.
0: This result, I think, also raises the distinct possibility that the ANC's fortunes in the Western Cape, which have been at a very low ebb for a long time, will get even worse. Uh, we may see the Patriotic Alliance overtaking them in the province. And we may even see the EFF overtaking it in the province, which I think would be devastating to the ANC uh, there. They will probably never recover from that in the Western Cape. But anyway, something mm-hmm. to keep an eye on
1: And the ANC, pardon me, Nick, has a tendency of once losing power, they never really regain it. Um, that, that we've, we've seen over the last 20 years spectacularly how the ANC has gone from power to weakness to greater weakness in the Western Cape. It's part of how patronage works. If you're a patronage politics party, then you go where the opportunities are for self-improvement, betterment, and you know, skimming off the top. If you are losing power, you don't attract the best. They're not a political party in the true sense of the word. It is a patronage network, and patronage networks send their resources to where the patronage chickens are roosting. Here, this isn't happening. The ANC really has a bad track record once it has lost that patronage power.
0: Definitely. There is one very important thing to note about this by-election, and it connects to our top story from yesterday that you and I discussed, Herman. That is the only reason that there was a by-election in this ward because the previous ward councillor was murdered. So once again, we are seeing the nasty, nasty prospect of political violence, of murdering for positions, raising its ugly head. Um, I wonder if that played a role in the final result here, uh, how that changed the way that people voted. Um, Herman, any any thoughts on that before we move on? It is very difficult
1: if you don't, if I, I simply don't know the circumstances on the ground that led to this uh, casual vacancy by this, you know, the incident of the death. But I must say it is interesting that um, the ANC might get punished for that. But what might give hope to South Africans in the broader sense is when the Social Research Foundation polled uh, you know, common associations with parties, the EFF really comes out head and shoulders above the rest in terms of being violent. So, if political violence becomes an issue, a greater issue throughout South African politics, and the ANC suffers because they are seen as the party in power, I think there is reason to believe that the EFF might not always be the beneficiary of that. ANC loss of faith and, 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 and support because the EFF's own perception as a party of radical divisive extremism and political violence to a certain degree is something that is well built into the data on South Africans' opinions.
0: Mm, definitely. All right, let's move on to our next topic and continuing the theme of bad news for the ANC. ANC Veterans League Deputy President Mabusam Smang has... Uh, cut ties with the ANC in a long resignation letter, He's, uh, which he wrote to Secretary General of the ANC, Vukile He said that uh, the party is infected with uh, corruption and that it is not the, in his words, glorious movement it once was. Uh, it has a track record, and which is the cra- cause of great shame, um, in the last couple of in the last couple of decades. And he now says that he's not willing to give any more time and energy to this political party, as he believes it's not uh, making life better for South Africans. Uh, So, you know, the ANC Veterans League, not a hugely important organization in the ANC, uh, to be honest. But this is, once again, not something you definitely want to see in the lead up to an election
1: absolutely in a lead up to an election you want every possible bit of support you can especially from your party structures like your veterans league i must say whilst i've got some sympathy for uh, uh, mr msimang in in his resignation it is again one of those frustrating instances where someone gets so close to diagnosing the problem but just can't bring themselves to it all valid concerns raised In that letter, the life demaini scandal, corruption, bad governance, poverty, inequality, the obscene amounts of wealth that ANC top ministers and officials have accumulated over the last few years. And yet nowhere in that letter can Mr. Nsimang bring himself to say, therefore, we should abandon CADA deployment. We should abandon BEE. We should abandon our efforts as a party to rig the public procurement system. We should get rid of the tenderpreneurship culture that has taken hold in South Africa. Now, there's a point of some ambiguity in the resignation letter where I'm not exactly sure what Nsimang means, but it is telling, I, if it means what I hope it means, it's, it's quite interesting where he says, a new black middle class has grown and developed, which is commendable. However, this middle class is leaving behind people who die before ambulances can reach them or perish in the hallways of overflowing under-resourced public hospitals. Is, is Mr. Simang saying that a large part of the black middle class achieved that socioeconomic status? by this tendrepreneurship culture. And that's how they left behind these people who are now excluded from these economic benefits of blatant elite enrichment or BEE as some call it. It is quite interesting that we come so close to identifying what has gone wrong but we always stick to the symptom. And I'm, the IRI has previously put up a billboard saying racism is not the problem. I think next year we should explore putting up a billboard saying corruption is not the problem. BEE, affirmative action, public procurement rigging, caters, crooks, cronies, that's the problem. State capture and corruption symptoms.
0: Exactly. Okay, let's move on to our last topic for today. And this is uh, another worrying legislative development, which is that the National Health Insurance NHI bill has passed through the National Council of Provinces, passed through the National Assembly a while ago, and now it's through the National Council of Provinces. So next it goes to President Ramaphosa's desk to be signed into law. Uh, our organization that we both work for, the IRR, has come out strongly against this. Um, there's been much more public resistance to the NHI after it was passed through the National Assembly, which is unfortunate because groups like the IRR were warning for a long time the potential consequences of the NHI, how it was unlikely to be amended to make it more friendly to business and how it was going to wreck the healthcare of millions of South Africans. Well, it seems that um, business and the organizations in the medical in- industry have finally kind of woken up and they're now trying to fight against it, but uh, I fear that... Uh, they have left it a little bit late. Still, it's not law yet and even if it does become law, it will be open to, I'm sure there will be court challenges and all sorts of things going on. So, you know, battle is never truly lost um, but not a happy development, I must say, and it would be very important, a very good sign if uh, the public pressure forces Sir Robert Forza to veto this bill and send it back to the National Assembly. It is always a
1: worrying circumstance if the country actually relies on Sauron are doing the right thing. Uh, his track record is patchy and his spine is missing. So when we look at the situation, I am glad, as you say, we are glad that corporate South Africa on the medical sector front have at last woken up to this. It took them about five years, perhaps even longer, but, you know, rather late than never. But the question here that South Africans should appreciate is that they are fundamental problems with the NHI that no one should ignore. Number one, it is built on the assumption of the snake oil salesman, Nicholas Crisp, who assumes that he has the right to take the money that South Africans spend on their private health care. That is not the government's money, that is after-tax money earned by South African citizens spent by them on their priorities, and the state has no right to simply point at resources and say, oh, that's by the way ours now. Number two, this system, this scheme, this brain fart of a project will cost anything between 250 billion to 700 billion Rand a year. They can't put a number on what it would cost because its cost is frankly, astronomic in its detail and complexity, the levels of bureaucracy that will be created will be enormous and unaffordable. And if you think, that this isn't the perfect opportunity for yet more state capital, more corruption, for a political party that is up to its neck in financial woes. If you don't see the fundamental ticking time bomb there of putting hundreds of billions of rands at the disposal of crooks, caters and cronies, then honestly, I have some second-hand shoes made by Dr. Nicholas Crisp to sell you. The third and final problem here is that the state has shown us what it does with monopolies. And the NHI, make no mistake, will be a monopoly. It will take over all healthcare spending in the country. And we need to look no further than in the nearest light bulb to understand what happens with a state monopoly. The NHI will be the ESCOM of healthcare. Where we have load shedding with ESCOM, we will have life shedding with the NHI. Imagine healthcare not reaching the people it needs, medicine, Doctors being unable to treat, not just in the state-owned hospitals where that is already happening, but in every single medical facility in this country. Everyone who has an interest in any form of health needs to stand up against this. It is a disaster. And if President Ramaphosa is the best thing that we can rely on, my goodness, we have to dig
0: deep and put up a massive fight. Definitely. So write to your medical aid and ask them what their thoughts are on this and what you can be doing to help them fight back against this. Uh, Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. And this is indeed the last Daily Friends show wrap of the year. We will be having a special tomorrow where myself and CEO of the IRR, John Endres, Dr. John Endres, will be chatting about the year that was and the year ahead. Uh, So that conversation will be coming out tomorrow. And for... I think the uh, regular episodes this year, that's a wrap.